I'm Alyssa Deweese. And I'm Sharon DeRozier. And this is Faculty Roundtable, the podcast where faculty discuss faculty development. This is a production by the Rockwell Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence. Each episode will feature a new group of Embry-Riddle worldwide faculty members discussing teaching strategies and innovative solutions to common online classroom concerns. In this episode of Faculty Roundtable, we reference the eight dimensions of wellness discussed in the fall and spring virtual faculty learning communities. The eight dimensions are social, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, physical, environmental, financial, and occupational wellness. This virtual faculty learning community will run again March 27th through May 7th, so keep an eye out for more information. So thank you guys for joining us. I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. So I'm Amani Francis. I am a Louisiana native, born and raised in Baton Rouge. I've been an English professor for about 20 years, full-time and adjunct. Right now, I'm teaching as an adjunct faculty member here at Embry-Riddle, and I'm also enrolled in the doctoral program at Baylor University in learning and organizational change, and my study focuses on mindfulness interventions. Uh, My name is Jeff Otterstetter, and I work in the uh, field of business. I teach accounting and finance courses at Embry-Riddle University, and I work as a controller in a family-owned lumber yard, as well as previous positions at Ford Motor Company and other privately held businesses. Great. I'm Alyssa DeWeese, a senior instructional consultant at RCTLE and also an adjunct in the College of Arts and Sciences. And I'm Sharon DeRozier, a senior instructional consultant for RCTLE. So we asked each of you to review the eight dimensions of wellness as a self-assessment before coming here today. And I wanted to know if you, uh, if that led to any insights for you. Well, I'll chime in on that. For me, you know, working on my dissertation, I have been struggling with the whole physical wellness aspects and the need for proper sleep, especially. I find that my nutrition, you know, I try to stay on top of things. I am into all types of holistic supplements, but, you know, with a lack of sleep, sometimes all of those things that we know are the proper and correct things to do for our wellness, they kind of go out of the window. So I've really been struggling with balancing, getting enough sleep, maintaining a healthy diet, trying to squeeze in exercise as much as I can you know, to balance things out. It's been, you know, interesting to say the least. My thoughts on the wellness wheel are, it's it's interesting. I My reflection was that having worked for more than 30 years as a professional in business, I'm actually comfortable with almost all aspects of the wheel. I've, I've been responsible financially throughout my career. Uh, my physical wellness, I take care of through yoga with my spouse and which leads me to good sleep. My occupational position is one that I'm actually very comfortable with at this point in my career. And my intellectual wellness is stimulated by my work with Embry-Riddle University. So I take what I do for my job and I, I get to share it in the classroom. And I find that very rewarding and fulfilling. Amani, I'm curious, when you were looking at the wheel, what would you consider your strengths on that wheel? And how do you make sure that you are incorporating that with your busy life? I think that in all of the other areas, I'm very strong. And I'm typically strong in the physical wellness area, too. I just think that now with this barrier, you know, and having to do a lot of heavy writing and, um, 
you know, with no real guide as to how to get it done as far as, you know, other than being told you just have to do it. (laughs) You know, it's like that's something that I have to kind of figure out for myself. But I'll say this. One way that I do get balance is just being on the land. So, you know, my husband and I, we're forest preservationists. So we have a lot of clearing and things like that that we have to do in the forest. And so one way that I do balance things out is just by going outside and, you know, just getting engrossed in the land and doing the things that I need to do around here, whether it's clearing, cutting trees down, whether it's controlled burning, all of those things that we do to maintain a forest kind of help me to stay grounded and balanced. And then I bring those things into everything I do from my study to my dealings with my students, to interactions with my children, um, who also practice mindfulness because they're they're very heavily involved in karate. So, you know, working with them, even conversations with the sensei, all of these things help me stay balanced. So I think that in all of the other areas I'm balanced, I have to work more on the physical wellness component though. You guys are hashtag goals for yeah. me right now. <laughs> I mean, I I know I looked at that wheel and I I actually there the one area that I realized I hadn't been thinking much about was the environmental wellness. My desk at work is a hot mess. Um, <laughs> and I I did sit down and I was like, you know, how how is my environment conducive to my well-being? if this is so disorganized and I've got papers all over the place and there's spilled coffee, I mean, is this conducive to organized thoughts and a happy state of mind? No. So I was inspired to clean my desk (laughs) and and actually my house. (laughs) It's the little things. (laughs) I'm wondering, I mean, I know another area where I I personally struggle being an adjunct and having a full-time job is in finding that work-life balance. And it seems like you guys kind of have, you guys have some of it down. So I want to hear, I mean, if you have any similar struggles, what you do and what are some of your tips for finding that balance? I think it's interesting that perhaps 15 years ago, I would have struggled to answer this question. But over the years, I've, I feel like I've gotten into a groove where I manage my day job differently than my night job. I understand my responsibilities with my teaching position. And I have a repetitive schedule where I kind of start early in the week, getting ahead of my, you know, my responsibilities and then stay on top of it throughout the week so that by the time the weekend comes around, I don't have a lot of things that still need to be done in order to, for me to meet my obligations for the week. And I think I approach most things that way, where I get started early and try to stay ahead of my obligations. Sure, sure. I'll chime in. For me, um, just being organized, keeping a calendar, you know, I have young children or one young child remaining. You know, my children are spaced apart, but I have a six-year-old. So that requires me to have a lot of energy, you know, and then my children are very involved in all types of activities. So 
I think for me, balancing the family life, you know, with my work and then my other responsibilities is what I have to stay cognizant of being extremely organized, keeping everything in the calendar and on a schedule, checking it when I wake up in the morning so I don't forget things. Just being organized is the way that I think that I manage work and life. My husband travels a lot for work too. So that's another piece of my very busy schedule because he was active duty in the military. And then when he got out, he, he's an engineer. He still works for the military. So he still travels, like nothing really changed. So, you know, I have to always balance that out too. And people are always like, how do you do that when he's gone for a few months? I said, well, when he was in the Navy, it was six to nine months. Two or three is way better than that. I know how to handle this now, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fiance is currently deployed, so I hear you. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, my husband's home, and I feel like I still struggle. So, <laughs> but that organization component is true. That is so critical for me, especially in in keeping that balance between my full time job and adjuncting in the evening. I actually, I make, I have to make a daily checklist to, and and definitely forefronting beginning of the week, really getting a lot of things done, you know, because one, our our students really need their feedback and it's really not the best practice to wait until Sunday night to give them, you know, just this teeny tiny amount of time to look at it before they have to submit their assignment. So actually just marking off what needs to be done every day and sticking to that is how I also get through (laughs) how I also how I also thrive not get through (laughs) change my language (laughs) yes so along those same lines when those tasks just start piling up what are some things that you do personally to help manage the stress of just being overburdened I'll, I'll chime in on that one first I think Jeff mentioned he does yoga so I practice yoga too um I do all forms of meditation, chakra balancing, silent meditation. I do walking meditation, forest immersion and bathing, all of these different things to try to help me connect with nature. Because I find that being in nature really does kind of affirm, cement, and kind of, it just acts as a great companion to me trying to rise to the the better person that I can be for my family, for my friends, for my colleagues, for my students, for my community. I think the nature piece is one that is often, you know, not focused on enough, the importance of actually just making those connections in the natural environment. I agree. My The time I spend in the yoga studio is certainly time away from my other obligations, time away from the, the to-do list that's piling up. So I'm able to, and I really find it beneficial to compartmentalize things to the extent that I can and not let my concerns about my either my day job or my my adjunct responsibilities, not let them filter into the time that I spend trying to for my mindfulness and my well-being. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so that's really the key to my that I find to be the most important aspect of managing an overwhelming list of things that have to be done on certain occasions is to really try to keep things separate and dedicate specific focused time to each thing on a prioritized basis and knowing that it's easy to cancel my yoga session, but it's not the best thing for me. So I try to, you know, keep that in mind. 
I was telling my coworkers the other day, my new mantra is if I do this today, tomorrow me will be happy for it. <laughs> and and your con the, the earlier comment about organizing your desk, I think mm -hmm. is interesting because I find that once I get organized, I'm more productive the following days. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I sometimes find difficulty in, in balancing all the areas of my life. Like if my desk is clean, my house might not be. And then if my house is clean, my car might not be. And sure. if my kids are, are behaving at the moment, then my cats are not. Like there, it's just, <laughs> nothing is just all at the same time. But I think that's also just part of having teenagers and working full time and being married and running a house. So sometimes, sometimes you just have to do that give and take with the different areas as well. I, I okay. certainly agree because like we've all mentioned, there are definitely different areas of our lives that, that require our time and attention. And it's really hard to predict which one of those things is going to bring something on you that did, you didn't expect yep. and th that needs your immediate attention. And I agree that kind of remaining calm and knowing that you're capable of doing whatever needs to be done, uh, you know, remaining positive is an important part of balancing, you know, your, both your stress level and your sanity against uh, your, your life objectives and, you know, your, your own happiness. I'm just thinking in the moment, I wonder if there's any way that you're able to bring these healthy and balanced perspectives into your classrooms and share some of this amazing advice with your students. One thing I do is I utilize discussion forums and also announcements, you know, to share different things that I may deal with in my personal life that I think could be beneficial to my students. So I'll find like interesting uh, mindfulness or wellness blogs or podcasts that they could listen to too. And then I'll post those. You know, so it's not anything that's mandatory, but it's just something that, you know, if they have time, they can take a look at. Um, another thing that I do offer to my students are suggestions about different technological mindfulness or wellness tools. Yeah, we know we don't want another piece of technology. We're all kind of <laughs> overburdened with that. But just, you know, things like remembering to use some of the tools we have, like our Apple Watches that have the breathe notification, you know, simple things that sometimes we'll forget to do even though we have those and the different apps that will remind us to drink water are, you know, different mindfulness apps where we can take a few minutes and just sit and compartmentalize. Also, all of the different various videos on YouTube that have to do with um, wellness or meditation, like sound bowl healing and therapy and um, things of that nature. So there are so many tools that are out there that we can take advantage of. This with this just this conversation is generating for me an idea to maybe create a list for my students of the different types of wellness tools that are free and available online. It's interesting, you know, as I think about how I manage my workload, I think it's really consistent that I my message to my students is very is almost the same thing. It's start early, understand what's in front of you and schedule dedicated time to accomplish what you need to get done. And the objective of all of this pre-planning scheduling is to avoid stressful situations and last minute deadlines that, that you are struggling to meet. It's really about avoiding the last minute. I'm under a great deal of pressure and I have to get this done because it just does not lead to your best, your, your best work. It's an unenjoyable 
experience rather than something that you can take pride in, be proud of, you know, what you got done and know that it's your best work. It's avoiding putting yourself in those failing situations that make you feel terrible about yourself. I know that's that's really important for the course that, that you teach because that accounting course, I know students are often taken by surprise by the workload at, with it being a beginning level course. And that's a good reminder for them too. I've taught account, I've been teaching accounting for many years mm-hmm. and I find that I often have to explain that this is a very defined system that you're going to have to learn the terminology, the categories yep. and the classifications in order for you to be successful. I used to tell my sixth graders that it is easier to keep up than catch up. I'll add that, yes, writing is on the opposite end of the spectrum of accounting, but the same rules apply. You know, you don't want to be trying to write an essay at the very last minute right before it's due. That's going to cause undue stress, worry, you know, and it's just, it's very avoidable just by starting early, like Jeff said, starting early. You know, working on it a little bit every day. Taking 30 minutes a day is better than having a cram for five, six, seven hours trying to get it done. I think one thing that, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking, I I have to try to remind myself to be compassionate toward myself when I'm, especially when I'm teaching, you know, things happen and sometimes I'll set a goal and I don't exactly meet that goal. And, you know, and I, I have to remind myself this isn't the end of the world. Like if I was my friend right now, what would I say to myself? I don't need to, I I don't need to be beating myself up about this small thing. I can, you know, I missed it, but I can, I can start again tomorrow. Like we'll start fresh. We'll get this, we'll get this tomorrow. And I, I also try to bring that attitude toward my students, you know, allow them that, you know, sometimes people do need a second chance. People do need a little bit of compassion. You know, our students are often working adults. They've got priorities and tough things going on in their life. And and I try to I try to extend that compassion where I can. That's a beautiful concept. Extending grace to yourself and to others. I completely agree. That's a very healthy perspective that offer yourself as much grace as you do others. Mm-hmm. And know that no matter what happens today, Tomorrow is going to come and you're going to have another opportunity to make it right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We've been here with Amani Francis and Jeff Otterstetter, and this has been Faculty Roundtable.